Footy and Frothies, uh, July 28th. Uh, what year are we in? Fucking it's all the same year these days. 2021. Um, uh, some stuff happened this week. It's around, uh, look back at round 19, look forward to round 20. We're coming up shortly. Uh, Daggy with you along with Ollie, the Oracle, and Barney. Barney, how's lockdown life? Yeah, mate, going all right, actually. Not too bad. Life just rolls on at this point. That's it. Uh, and Ollie? Yeah, been all right. Um, not been up to much. Got a couple of interviews done. Just got off with uh, Glenn Nissen. That interview's up now, Rugby League, in my opinion's YouTube channel. So after this, if you want to hear about a, a decent career from a Penrith junior, um, go listen to that. But as I've clicked on here on my phone, um, breaking news, I guess, as of one minute ago, the NRL has announced that um, the, the Brisbane expansion team due to COVID won't come in until 2024 now. Oh, fair enough. Well, there you go. What a shame. Um, when was it slated for? 22? Or 23? 23. Yeah. Uh, the other news today was I believe the, the New South Wales RL are going to can all their comps, except uh, obviously the NRL, but um, New oh, South okay. Wales Cup, uh, Howard Matt, whatever's in between, uh, I've just had a mental <laughs> blank, will all be, uh, they'd hoped, they'd basically needed it up and running by this week for it to finish uh, and uh, so that will looks like with four more weeks lockdown looks like it will be ended immediately uh, I'm not sure if they'll try and play a grand final or something down the road but that's where it sits right now uh, other news for the week uh, I guess the biggest one is well the most controversial one James Roberts biosecurity breach uh, another smack on the wrist there he has accepted one game and a seven hundred a seven thousand five hundred dollar fine um, whatever that means, but he's still being locked down. For, I think he's still in quarantine for another two weeks anyway, so um, I don't know if that applies after the fact. Uh, Craig Bellamy has re-signed with the Storm, I think, I believe, a five-year contract. Correct me if I'm wrong, boys. Uh, but uh, one year as coach, at least one year as coach, and he'll have an option in his favour, whether he coaches again or whether he becomes um, manager of football or whatever the uh, fancy name for it is now which I would suggest probably means that their favourites to keep Brandon Smith and a few of the other blokes that uh, that love him. Um, any thoughts, Barn? Yeah, well, they've freed up a bit of cash too, so I'd imagine most of the majority of that team will stay together now. Um, what can you say? It's a great appointment, realistically. He's been probably the best coach running around for 10 years, so <laughs> why wouldn't you sign him? Oh, absolutely. So, Ollie, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, well, it's obviously a great move. The quote that I saw from Bellamy um, in the release Melbourne put out was, so it's one more year as a coach and then he's going to sit down with a club and they will discuss whether he stays on as coach or goes on to a different role. Now, the role you bring up, managing director, director of football, whatever, um, that would be the likely role he would go into. But it makes me wonder if Melbourne hypothetically win the comp this year and win the comp next year, if in that meeting uh, the Storm would be pressuring him just one more year, one more year, eventually they would have to, well, to, I to think that's let why him move on. But I think yeah. that's the crux of the deal, that it's his choice. Like, uh, uh, reading between lines, it's sort of like, I'll, I'll go when I'm ready. Because uh, he's I'll older. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I think they'll be keep pushing him that one more year until he yeah. just finally says no. Yeah, that's right. But he's, I think he's, what, 62 or 63? 
Um, mm. It depends how far he wants to keep going. If he keeps winning comps, he might be quite happy. If they suddenly mm. fall off a cliff and disappear, then um, you might say, you know what, I'm tapping out. But um, basically, from what I've heard, they want to sign him for life in whatever role they can get yeah. him, which is fair enough. Yeah, um, uh, I feel like I feel like at most at most he might stay on for 2023. That that's the only thing I could really see, but after that, then I think he's done. Yeah, but with the with the Fanukan money coming in, um, they can now sort of up their ante for keeping cheese and keeping uh, some maybe even Munster now. So there's um, some good signs there. They got, but that said, there is some good young players coming through. They'd probably want to wrap up your Kamakamikas of the world that um, are probably on pretty small money right now. So something to keep an eye on there. Uh, we've get to some judiciary news. Uh, Luke Thompson fought his uh, his high shot ban and failed. So he took a three week uh, suspension last night. The judiciary Grump, uh, Gump was quite critical of the decision. Uh, speaking to him over the weekend, that uh, he thought the Flegler thing was much worse. Flegler only got um, two maps, few weeks for his sin bin shot on Yo. Uh, Patrick Herbert got a week. He did get downgraded. Cam Murray took an early plea for a week. Uh, Lodge took one match. Uh, before I get to the last one, any thoughts on any of that, boys? I probably agree with Gump. I thought probably Flegler's, Flegler's one was a bit worse um, as, as it was direct contact with the head. But, um, yeah, I, I can't see. The, there was a few comments floating around that he didn't deserve the 10 minutes at all, which I, I think was incorrect. I thought he hit him pretty. It was pretty late and pretty forceful. So I thought he deserved the 10 minutes. Probably could have only given him a week rather than the three, but obviously they had a week because he fought it to begin with. And Yeah. But it's going to be a big – it's going to be a – it's going to hurt the dogs, that one, I would imagine. Oh, 100%. Ollie, anything to add to any of that? No, I've just got to agree with you, boys, and I've actually got to agree just on the flagular situation, what you were saying on Saturday night as it happened, like how how, do, how does he not go off? It's, like it's, off. it's forceful, get sent off, forceful contact. He's caused physical harm onto an opposition player who's gotten hurt. It's, nah. Now, the one I took the biggest exception to, as you blokes know, and I was completely sober, as you know, so I was quite... Um, grounded about the whole situation. Um, the Josh LOA cannonball, uh, he's now put uh, Alex Safarth out, I believe, for up to 12 months uh, with the MCL, uh, which had intent intent to injure and was late, and he got a, um, a penalty and a one-match ban. I thought that, of all the incidents on the weekend, was absolutely appalling, and I actually have no idea how no one's actually talked about it in any mainstream media I've seen. Um, am I wrong? Uh, but no, I don't think so, mate. Not at all. I thought that was at least three weeks when I when I saw it happen. Um, you just can't be doing it. They tried to get rid of it years ago, and you don't see much of it these days. But yeah, that should be that should be at least two to three weeks straight away. Yeah, and I thought it should have been at least ten minutes at the time. I uh, would have been quite happy to send off, but uh, I am. I do watch those games through one eye. Ollie, um, what do you think <laughs> of the incident? Oh well, the result of the incident for Safar speaks for itself, and what should be happening I guess for for LOA and that he didn't probably didn't get um as uh, as harsh a punishment as he should have and signing news uh, we'll get to the big one at the end but um Scott Sorensen two year extension at Penrith Elliot Whitehead a two year extension a uh, three year extension he'll be there to 2024 at the Raiders uh and Barney your take on this Dale Fanukan to the Sharks uh, on a four year deal uh, he is 30 already 
but you're now looking at uh, having him in your team next year, Nico Hines in your team, uh, and Cam McGuinness uh, hasn't played a game for you yet, but he'll be coming back uh, next year as well. Uh, plus Matt Moylan signed an extra year just for you, uh, David. But uh, <laughs> where, where are your expectation levels? You've got you to admit um, the Sharks are doing something right right now. Um, where are your expectations levels for next year, and what does Fanukan bring to the Cronulla Sharks club? Yeah, well, their attitudes got them in the fight for the eight when I, there was this point there in the season where it just looked like they were going to be running very close to last, which is um, which has uh, been impressive. Uh, we they're, they're the kind of players we need, honestly. Um, I've been saying for a long time that the middle of our defence is uh, soft and we missed way too much, uh, way too many tackles in the middle, especially with that first contact. And McGuinness and uh, Fanukin are two blokes that are well known for their defence. And um, very strong defenders as well. So I think that can only be a good thing for the, the defensive middle of the Sharks. Fanukin's an absolute leader and he has he's shown it for a long time. Um, well, you imagine he was, he, he was your new club captain. He wanted the right? four years, so that's why they've given it to him. I'm not sure. I think I'm pretty sure the last year of his um, contract is uh, he, the money drops a fair bit, a fair bit yeah. off at the last in that last season. I think so, yeah. So then, you know, whether he gets through the four years or not, I'm not 100% sure, but he, he's generally uh, pretty solid. He doesn't get injured too often and his attitude as a leader and he just he just works his ass off and that's the kind of blokes you want in the middle of your forward pack. So. Well, I imagine. And like, Moylan, yeah, I could take a leave, Moylan. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you do? Like, yeah, I imagine he um, comes in and captains a club next year. There's a logical thing. I would think so, captaining yeah. The- the best team in the comp. Considering a, a lot of their experiences going out out the door as well. So, And, and is, is Nico going to end up at fullback? Oh, we were saying on the weekend we sort of prepare, we think he's a fullback and probably should stay there, but it, it looks more and more likely he's probably going to end up at six, um, maybe even seven. Yeah, well, with, the, with the re-signing of Kennedy, I can't really see them moving Kennedy out of there because where are you going to put him apart yeah. from the wing? And you've got Mulatano and Katoa there have shown that they're both definitely first-grade wingers. So, um, yeah, I, I can – I'm imagining he goes to six, but as I've, as I've said all along, I don't know where the seven is. So unless Trindle's playing seven, I can't see Matt Moylan playing seven either. So they might even, at a stretch, give him the off-season at seven and see yeah. how he goes. Uh, you'd want to find a kicking game, and I love him, but he needs yeah. to find a kicking game. Uh, Ollie, any of your thoughts on uh, any of that? Uh, well, just on Hines, I think he definitely will end up the seven because I feel like he, nor him or Moylan are sevens. He, the Sharks just don't have a number seven, but I feel like he has a better opportunity definitely now to move into that role um, and develop over the offseason than a Matt Moylan would. So I'd have him there. And yeah, but Will Kennedy's had a good season, I think, playing fullback for Canada and he's just re-signed. Uh, just with Finucane, um I think he'll definitely be the captain, but I feel like he may end up co-captain with um, Cam McInnes, who was the Dragons captain um, as well. Um, It'll be interesting, though, to see how McInnes actually recovers. I think he did his ACL, like, in the preseason because he's, I I think, three of the past five seasons or something, he's been the top tackler in the comp. He's very valuable to any club. So if he can get back to near what he was before his injury, I mean, that's... That's huge for Cronulla, to be honest. I look at all their signings that they've made and um, in, in terms of, for me, the biggest one in, in that sense is probably um, Cam McInnes. Well, uh, yeah, as of 28th of July 2021, you've got to say Sharks have had the best recruitment to date. Uh, yep. 
we in the stiffest competition, uh, and people actually disagree. It would be Canterbury, who have announced they've resigned. They've just mm-hmm. signed for one year, Paul Vaughan. Um, we probably fluctuate our opinions of how Canterbury are going to go next year. I think we're all in agreement, though, Ollie, that uh, it's not going to be an instant fix, but it, they're going the right way. I think they are going the right way and they will be better. Uh, Canterbury are a team that's starting to sour on me a bit just because I have a mate who is genuinely convinced they're finishing in the top four next year, um, which they're not going to come close. Let, let's be honest. I, I feel like a nice between 10th and 12th is achievable for them next season. Um but the pieces have also got to gel. The biggest acquisition for them, for me, is Gus Gould. Um, they've made amazing signings on the field, but I'm really keen to see what Gus does uh, behind the scenes there at the Bulldogs and um, how they move uh, towards the future. But, yeah, look, I could see them maybe making a top eight in 2023. And I, I get that Bulldogs fans are hopeful, but uh, to me... You can't expect all of those players to play at their best. You've also got to take into the consideration the players that they currently have at the club. Really, for me, the way things are looking, the signings that they've made, they're probably looking as good as a Titans for next year, which, yeah, I don't know. The Titans have very much underachieved as well. So, uh, that yeah, that's where I have them, that, that 10th to 12th bracket. Brian, any thoughts? No, yeah, very similar to Ollie, to be honest. I think they'll be in and around that sort of those six teams all sniffing for that bottom bottom of the eight spot. Um, if they can gel, that it would be interesting. Uh, one thing, it looks like Lachlan Lewis in the last two weeks has probably played a bit better than Avarillo. So I don't know if that changes their plans moving forward into the next year where they play with Burton. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that, that as Ollie said, it's good. Probably going to take six to ten weeks before they actually start to play together because um, yeah. you're going to have so many different moving parts all coming together at one time. Um, they're they're going to change pretty much half their roster by the looks of it. So, hmm. and, yeah, and, and uh, well, you mentioned the Titans. Maybe I don't know if Titans have underperformed or whether they were over hyped, um, mm-hmm. but. You also got a coach, an unproven coach. It has to put. Uh, it's one thing to go and buy David Feeder and put him into a, a gun forward pack. It's another to you basically building your own club from scratch. And Trent Barrett potentially. Well, put it this way: if Barrett, if if Bulldogs don't perform next year, Barrett will be the first bloke, um, unless miraculously mm. Adam O'Brien's still there uh, in the spotlight <laughs> next year. So, uh, yeah, interesting. No, well, just on the Titans for me, in terms of saying that you look at how their backs played in 2020, especially the back half, and they it's been night and day. They have not performed to anywhere near that level. Plus, I don't think David Fafita's probably been as consistent as he could be. I, I'm more looking at that area when I, when I look at them underperforming. In large part, it is the back line. Because, like, you look at um, like Tino's, it's hard to give him praise because of the team that he's been playing in most weeks, but he's still been, uh, I'd say a good signing for the Titans at the very least. Although he's played out of position a bit. And I mean, the man, Mo Fodawaker. Yeah. He might be the hottest. I I still think he could be, if player agents have any brains or um, he'll be the hottest free agent at the end of next year, but we'll find that out. We'll we'll touch more on the Titans in our review. Um, Yeah, and a pretty slow news week. Oh, last one. Dane Gagai heading to Newcastle. Speaking of uh, our man, our Brian up there, he um, 
is heading up there to bolster their outside backs, which they desperately need. And uh, if nothing else, you've got to say that's an improvement. Um, yeah. And Souths, they may miss him, but they've got Burns and uh, Milne and some good some good bodies there that will, will step up, no doubt. Uh, let's get in early. Have you got a peanut of the week early? Let's get in nice and early for some flavour. Peanut it's of a, the week. A it, bit of... It's a big, it's, it's a long, long list. I had to take a sanity break from Facebook this week. It just did my <laughs> head in finally. So it, it is. A, yeah, it is a very long list. I'm going to go back to our group chat to the exact, um, to the exact post. Cause there were a couple. I'd, I just want to make sure I'm getting this peanut completely right because I wouldn't want to um wouldn't want to mess that up for the world. That's right. Well here we go. Um I'm here and this is a post I put up about the Melbourne Storm reciting Craig Bellamy as we've discussed. Um someone commented and I believe this person is a bit of an older gentleman so um but there is that bit of bias against any team that's out of the Sydney metropolitan area, I'd say. Um, and I said, how many premierships will Melbourne win between now and 2026? Um, and this person comments, nil. I hope as their existence depends on the soliciting of other clubs' players. Now, for one, the Melbourne Storm have recently signed their first current representative player in Xavier Coates since Michael Crocker back in 2005. He debuted in 2006, but the signing was made in 05. That's the big thing for me. So that's obviously just not true. Um, they're not a team who signs talent. They develop talent. They might sign them at a young age or sign out of form players, whatever, but they, yeah, it's the Craig Bellamy effect. Um, and also it's sort of, I guess, a bit of a peanut of the week to a lot of people who show clear bias against teams out of the Sydney metropolitan, unfortunately, just because they were born before a certain year or whatever. And the game's different to when they were around. If we still had the same setup as we did in let's say 1970, unfortunately, let's be realistic. The game would not be, at least the NRL would not be around today. That's, I think that's something we can agree on. So yeah. Well, the good news for you, Ollie, is they'll all be dead soon, so um, that's a positive. Um, they, <laughs> but yes, I'm not saying all of them either. Just a, a, a percentage the, I've seen have. The, uh, but yeah, like even some a case in point, Nico Hines was a bench player at the start of the year. Uh, look at Kamika Mika. Look at Cameron Munster. Look at yeah. We don't need to. We don't need to justify those comments no. any further, do we? Uh, either of you had a chance to see the first episode of Tiger Town? Yes, I actually well, watched it today. I mean, what did you make of it? Um, a lot of people online saying I'd die for Madge. I'd run through a brick wall for Madge. Um, personally, my opinion on Madge or anyone really at the Tigers has not changed, if I'm honest. Um, and that's not to say I had a negative opinion of Madge or anything. I think he's a good first grade coach. I think he is still the right man for the job at the Tigers, but I'm now not going to die on my sword defending him if anyone says anything bad about him. I, I still think he's a good first grade coach and he just reiterated that for me. Um, Pasco reminds me of a Chris Lilly character, as I said, and uh, Ronnie Palmer is the greatest of all time. Yeah, fair enough. That's all we need to take from that. Um, yeah, one of those ones you just see is more and more the creepy uncle at the Christmas parties in my mind, but uh, we'll move on. They, uh, but a tremendous piece of PR for Madge. He's now 
if the fans have anything to say about it, apparently Tigers fans want him there for life. So good on yeah. him. Uh, let's get into our review. No other news that we need to touch on quickly. Uh, oh yeah, injury oh. news, and also do you, I didn't write down injuries, but uh, Tuo gone for six weeks, and yeah. uh, Yo at least two. Uh, they think Cleary's pretty close. Um, they're pretty confident of uh, two or two, three weeks there. Um, and Tavita Pangai will be in the team, I believe, next week. Fisher Harris out of the bubble, so he's a three or four weeks off for Penrith. Uh, off, that's off the top of my head. Any I've missed that you can think of, lads? Uh, not injury news, but I do want to bring this one up just because it was in our post of whatever the thing I played is uh, of a of a 12 o'clock of a Wednesday, it's um, Joey Manu. There's big speculation that the Warriors are going to offer him a lot of money to play as their 5'8 from 2023 onwards. This is reported by Brent Reed. Where this is coming from is apparently the Warriors have contacted the Roosters. And to be fair, they didn't have to do this. They're doing this out of a bit of due, due diligence and respect for the Roosters. Apparently they've contacted them and said, look, on November 1st, we're going to have a contract sitting in front of Joseph Manu as we want to sign him from 2023 onwards um, as our 5'8", which is a surprise for me. I thought they might have been going after him as a fullback, but you got Reese Walsh there, and I guess they want to commit to him as a fullback. Um, but, yeah, the report is from Reid as well that it's going to be at least a million dollars, um, which I have actually seen. It, it's a bit divisive. People are saying if you want to sign him on a million, sign him on a million as a, as a fullback, but not a 5'8". I, I think he's performed well in either position. He's obviously a better fullback than a 5'8 from what we've seen thus far because he's been playing there a lot recently. But I, I just sort of want to get your opinions on that. They're signing him as a 5'8. Should that then decrease his value a, a little bit from a million dollars? No. I, I, I'll put it this way. The a, a player is only worth what the market says they're worth. If someone tells you he's yeah. a million-dollar player, well, they're a million-dollar player. Um, I think we only don't rate him. I think, I think he's been tremendous at games. He's played 5'8". I think it's yep. just we've seen him more exposed at fullback when, and, and noticeably because Teddy's been out, he's been the one that stepped in. Uh, I I don't have a problem with it. I think it's good for the Warriors. I think they probably realise they have to to get him on to you know move back to New Zealand and do all the rest of it. Um, what do you think, Bart? No, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure he's worth the the money that they're going to throw at him. To be honest, um, to me, it looks like a move that would be for probably more more down the road of about eighteen months from now. To be honest. Um, I'd say probably the middle of next year, they'll be starting to tinker with the idea of um, if they get Walsh a little bit bigger, getting him up and playing him at six. Uh, he's that little bit faster, a little bit more elusive than um, Joseph Manu. And he does have the ball skills, which we've seen. So yep. if you give him um, another year at fullback, get him a little bit bigger and then give him the off season the year after to probably move into six. And then you've got a ready-made replacement with Manu to go back to Back to fullback, so why not? Yeah, they, and and the thing is, the other thing is, and it's a clever thing, and we've seen it. We saw it with Jackson Hastings. Actually, they don't, you know, you don't want to say oh, we want a million dollars for Manu as fullback because you got an eighteen-year-old fullback there that starts having head spins, and all the media starts going, "Well, you're about to lose your fullback spot." Whereas you just go, "No, nah, he's five eight. <laughs> we saw it with Cam McGuinness. We saw it with. Um, like I said, just Jackson Hastings and Luke Brooks, it just take kills a conversation before it starts and you worry about it in 80 months' time. Mm. And in round one, when you name him, wherever you're going to name him, um, life goes on. Yeah. Um, doing a job, assembling not a bad team, the Warriors on paper in, in 18 months' time if they keep their forward pack together and everyone stays fit and you throw Sean Johnson and uh, Joey Manu into that team. 
Yeah, the signings seem to have a few of the teams getting a bit closer there in the middle, so we mm. <laughs> can make it even tighter for that eight and seven <laughs> spot next year. But. Well, they're up for grabs, aren't they? Uh, eight, six, seven, eight is up for grabs. Uh, speaking of up for grabs and a team making a run for six, seven, eight, the Raiders beat the Eels 12-10 in, a, a, I thought, a really enjoyable high-intensity game of footy. Um, Barney, what did the stats say? And then you can kick us off tonight. Sure. So we had two tries apiece, one out of two conversions for Parramatta and two out of two for the Raiders. Uh, Raiders had a missed field goal attempt. Uh, Canberra with 83%... Uh, sorry. Parramatta with 83% completion, Canberra with 85, 38 out of 46 sets, played 35 out of 47. Parramatta actually ran for 400 plus run meters and 100 plus post contact meters more than what Canberra did. So obviously they're making inroads through the middle. They just couldn't um, make it count when they needed to. Two line breaks to four, 24 tackle busts by Parramatta, 37 by Canberra, 17 offloads to nine, 377 tackles, played 439 for Canberra, four ruck infringements to five. Uh, zero inside the 10s uh, for Parramatta, one for the Canberra. Three penalties conceded to four, 12 errors to eight. Mahoney made 55 tackles, Young with 55. Papali with 210 metres, Rapana with 261 metres. Uh, Brad Arthur and missed five tackles, Brown missed four. Young and Hawira Naira missed four apiece. Rapana with 97 supercoach points. Hawira Naira with 88 and Tapani with 82. And then Isaiah Papali'i with 79. Um, uh, as you said, it was, a, it was a very good game, but for execution, execution and skill, it wasn't brilliant. But the, um, the absolute grit and determination from both sides uh, was, was uh, really good to watch. The, uh, it was a really good bash up in the middle. Like um, Canberra's plan was to obviously come at Parramatta's strength, which is their their middle forwards, and um, their defensive efforts was probably their best one of the season easily. Uh, the concerning thing for me with Parramatta was they got beaten at their plan A, and then they didn't have a plan B. They realistically didn't start to tip on. You know, generally if your middles aren't making, you know, they were making the inroads, but they weren't sort of pulling the packs apart. When that starts happening, you have to find another way. You have to start attacking the edges or you have to start playing bigger shifts. And Parramatta just didn't do it. They just kept going with what was what their plan A was. Uh, yeah, so and at, at the end of the day, they still had their chances to win the game, but they bombed a couple of tries and made some pretty poor errors at different times, which um, let the game get away from them, to be honest. But um, the, the Raiders' pressure all night for that 80 minutes, they just kept coming. They were flying off their line in defence. They were giving it back to Parramatta in the middle as well. But, um, yeah, and, and the Raiders' halves, believe it or not, considering that you have a couple of blokes that have been playing a lot of reserve grade recently, they were better than Parramatta's halves. Yep. They were um, they were a lot more creative than what Parramatta gave up. So um, Hodgson and Starling's little combination there, they, I think they've started to work that out with Hodgson going back into the 13 role and Starling coming in and making some good inroads in the middle and getting some good fast play the balls which Hodson isn't creating for them. But, um, yeah, brilliant performance by the Raiders. They deserve this win. Ollie? Yeah, so the big thing for me, um, I guess what broke the game apart a little bit was Jordan Rapana's performance. Um, <laughs> one of the best performances he's had in a long, long time and playing at fullback as well. But, yeah, I agree. Like the battle, the battle of the Fords, um, they pretty much, in a way, essentially took the backs out of the game 
but because Canberra's backs were just that little bit better, and of course, Rapana, again, I bring up his performance again, they were just able to get over the line. The backs just did enough. They pretty much um, nullified Clint Gutherson's game. He wasn't really mm-hmm. able to do anything, and it's, I, I don't say he had a horrible performance. He just wasn't able to do much, um, and I don't think we've seen him contained like that for a little while. Um, so, so that was the big thing for me. But yeah, Rapana was a huge difference maker because you have these two big four packs going at each other in the, in the first half. It, it didn't look like either was gonna was gonna really break. But then, yeah, when Rapana was able to open that game up a little bit, um, I think it just gave Canberra the advantage to go on with it. Hundred percent, especially given we flagged Rappenha at fullback as a as a concern on the preview show because his last couple mm-hmm. efforts there were not um, outstanding. What you said about Guthrie, well, let's total together in that this was a great game where I don't think stats necessarily told the story. In that he, um, a lot of Canberra's meters, the Canberra forwards were the ones that had to get him off the back. Um, they had to get them; they were taking hit ups from the seventy and eighty, trying to get him back into the game. Uh, I think Gutho, up until about 65 minutes, had only had 40 run metres. So hadn't, he ended up with, about 140 or something. But um, And he, he nearly got them home. Uh, but he um, but the Canberra defence was absolutely outstanding. And that's a sort of defence... I, I, I am convinced they would have beaten 14 other teams in this comp. Maybe would 15. would have been a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, the way they played. They were hitting people... They were hitting some of the Nathan Browns and Paulos that come off the back fence before they hit the advantage line. They were up and in their face, and they were impressive. Um, and from the middle, and sustained. And Hudson Hudson Young was leading that. Uh, Harold Renara came out of line a few times with some shots. But across the board, I think that probably the most, uh, you got to say the most underperforming forward was uh, Papa E. Uh, Canberra Papa E. And he's still yeah. going to, he might end up, he, he, he might, his go in life might be the, the sort of uh, Fafita role in the weekend that you just play him for half an hour and hope he, us open a game at the back end, but Canberra, were, I was super impressed. Uh, for for Para, they just got once they got belled out of the games. Their forwards didn't let anyone down, but they had the work to do. I thought Fergo, we didn't mention him; he was out, outstanding in his first game back. Um, he was Para's best, I thought. Uh, he was doing the hard yards. He had his usual couple of Fergo moments, but he busted. He single handedly dragged Para back into the game when they never looked like scoring. Um, and could have had another try as well. Was it him that just missed? Um, on one side, uh, Reed was was pretty quiet as a result of the forwards not getting the speed through the play of the ball. He was pretty quiet as well. I, think, I thought there was the absolute game plan. It, they, Canberra just decided through great coaching or whether it was just intent, that is how you beat Parramatta. Um, they've showed people how to beat Parramatta, and we see... We see how Parramatta performed the last few years in semi-final footy, and that felt like semi-final footy. So I guess the last question to both of you. Um, Parramatta now play five of the top six. Where are they actually going to be come finals time? You're still as bullish. And I, I, I'm forgiving slightly, but I'm now teetering that they could potentially miss the top four now if they get bashed, if, if other teams are... But a lot of teams aren't capable of it, but if some of these teams playing... Um, where do you see power fitting and are they going to just turn into straight sets power come finals time? Uh, well, now that they're four points off of third and there's that gap between themselves and South Sydney, um, it is very unlikely that they're going to close that gap. At most, they might be equal on points, um, but I don't think I can really see them um, 
catching the bunnies there. So, yeah, look, I'd say they probably finish fourth. That's where I've got them. Uh, just Manly, I know, still have to play Melbourne, I believe. So there's at least a loss there. I think Parramatta can probably... What's in their favour is they probably are going to get a, scra- a, a chewed-up Penrith team. So they've got um, Roosters tomorrow, then the hype game, Rabbitohs, uh, who that'll be a really interesting game. Then the yeah. Seagulls, who could be hot. Cowboys, if they turn up, could play similar. And then they've got the Storm and Penrith to finish. They might win. Ooh. They might only win one game out of the, the rest of that run. I, I, but, I'm, but I'm tossing know, and turning who to tip in that Roosters game even. But you know what? Just mm. looking at it, possibly, and I get that, Parramatta could also win their next four. Yeah. They have it in them, and they will probably be favourites in three out of those four. Well, that's, that, that, I guess well. that's my question. So, uh, would you, yeah. Are you convinced they can, or is it time to I scurry off the ship? Pr- I'd personally probably tip them in at least three of those next four as well. Penrith, I might tip them in. It depends on it depends on Penrith really for that one. Mm. But I, I think they can probably finish fourth and I'd say Manly will probably end up two points behind. Fine. Um, as you said, they could possibly win one one out of their next five or six games or whatever it is mm. leading into the back end of this comp. Um, the thing, as I said, that concerned me is they didn't seem to have a plan B. Yeah. Um, obviously, the kicking game <laughs> without um, Moses. Sorry to cut in, is but hasn't hasn't Jesse Arthur's now been? I know the Fords had to work overtime. I think Jesse Arthur's has now been well exposed. That Jake, Jake, yeah. Jake Arthur's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is he's a level under. Um, well, he's obviously a level under Mitch Moses, but I, I'm, I'm not actually sure what he brings ahead of even a Will Smith. Yeah, as I said, without Moses, their kicking game is an issue. So um, mm. they they're going to need to be running more run meters than the other team every every week coming in. Um, as you said, most teams now are going to pinpoint their forwards and try to go through the middle. So they, if they continually get bashed in the middle for the next couple of weeks, they could um, they could drop off dramatically and end up running running fifth or sixth. To be honest, um, Roosters win this week. They they're right on the edge of dropping out of the four, and then um, a couple of weeks later. Who knows? Yeah, well, I've actually, I, th- I think they will drop out of the, the top four. To be honest, I was, I was much more concerned, and it, it, it just hit me that it's Parramatta and finals are looming, <laughs> and I think uh, well, this a lot's going to be told tomorrow night. But um, to wrap this up, oh, I went three points Hudson Young, two points Rappiner, one Harry Renara or Hodgson, but I could be way off your mark, David. I had three for Rappiner. Um He hasn't put in a performance like that for years, yep. and he was brilliant at, at fullback. I had um, who to have for two. I had Huir and Ira for two. Uh, sorry, Tapani with two, and Huir and Ira with one. Oh, Tapani well, was tremendous he in was, the middle. He was. He's had the best three uh, weeks of uh, since this since uh, semi final time last year. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd go Rappiner three, Huir uh, and Ira two, and then for one. I probably, yeah, Tarpany, I think. That's me personally, so one's a bit of... Yep, so three yeah. Rappina, two Tarpany, uh, two Huiru Naira, one Tarpany, is that right? Yeah. I'm happy with that. Yeah. All right, uh, 40 seconds, boys. Penalty try, yay or nay? I didn't think so. 
Nope. There's not, I don't think there's much you can do when you're coming across at that kind of speed. Um, he didn't launch like head first at him. He just body checked him, turned his hips. It wasn't a great look, but I didn't think it was a penalty try, no. Yep. I would, all I'd say is if it had been given one, uh, I wouldn't have been upset. Uh, I wasn't upset that it was. And I think that uh, he's probably lucky it wasn't six, inch, six inches one way or the other. The Roosters, 28, defeated... Uh, mediocre, let's say, Newcastle Knights. Parney, what did the stats say? I think that's being polite, mate. I'll <laughs> go first. Now you one. Tell us the stats and I'll go first this time. I love six Newcastle. Six tries to one, two out of six conversions for the Roosters and one out of one for the Knights and a penalty goal for the Knights. 83% completion played 73%, 38 out of 46 sets played 27 out of 36. 150 post-contact metres for the Roosters, 10 line breaks to two, 32 tackle bust to 25, 10 offloads to 5. Uh, one force dropout by the Roosters. 357 tackles played 411. One ruck infringement to 6. Two inside the 10s to 3. Five penalties conceded by the Roosters, two by the Knights. Nine errors from both teams. 53 tackles to Radley, 58 to Bradley. Uh, Braley, sorry. Tupu with 238 metres and Kurt Mann with 149. Satili missed four tackles, Walker three. Clifford missed five and Mann missed four. Teddy with 146 supercoach points. Satili Tupanua with 125. Manu with 97. And then three other players before you get to Jacob Siafiti on 87. This, I know it's not a short list. This would have to be one of Newcastle's worst uh, performances of the year. Like, the Roosters literally had 11 players out of position. Uh, I think James Tedesco and Daniel Tupo are the only ones left where they should be at the end of the game. They had Walker defending on a wing. Uh, then they had Walker defending in the centres next to Kieran. Then they had um, Hutchinson defender somewhere else. Then they had Crichton play left uh, left centre the whole day. At, at no point did anyone from Newcastle team, whether on the field or whoever, or a coach in a coach's box looking down go, hmm, there's two halves defending next to each other on the left edge. Maybe let's run our three biggest fucking state of origin forwards at them and see if they can tackle. Um, then when they did get momentum, they kicked it into, they kicked it out. They threw balls into the second row. Uh, Clifford's another one you can add to the list that maybe he's gone backwards or maybe just wasn't that good in the first place. Um, but that was disgusting. Um I actually wanted to, I meant to watch it today, but I haven't gone back and watched it. I wanted to watch O'Brien's press conference to see what his excuses were this week. But um, this was a contest for 60 minutes, and then the Roosters sort of, they weathered every storm thrown them, and just went, okay, actually, we're still the Roosters, and we still have talent. Uh, Tupanua was looked outstanding on one edge. Yep. Uh, Angus Crichton was outstanding playing left centre, and all the commentators went on about as how slow how slow forwards playing in the centres, and he just owned Kurt Mann for 80 minutes. Um I think he he ran he what do you run four he ran like a back three running meters tally didn't he two hundred and two hundred and twenty six meters yeah playing mm-hmm. on an edge um, as well as the try assist when he, he ran straight over someone uh, and ultimately James Tedesco is a freak uh, he's every bit as good as Tommy Eninos wants to be when he gets a chance and he stepped up yeah. and hit put a nail in their coffin um, I was pretty impressed by the effort to be honest and. Um, Good on them. Uh, they're they're still limping. They're in a world of trouble, injury wise again. Um, but uh, overall, you got to give a tick to the Roosters and a big fat red text across <laughs> to the Newcastle Knights, Barney. Oh, the Roosters pack was was great, and um, yeah, and 
in defence was an obvious difference compared to the defence that the the Newcastle the entire Newcastle team put out realistically. But um, and their their attack was good too, especially with the two back rowers playing centre for majority of the game. They were really good out there. Um, the Newcastle pack wasn't bad. They were okay apart from uh, Mitchell Barnett, who um, yeah, he's fallen off the face of the earth for the last couple of weeks. There's another one. Um, the the Saifidi brothers and Brayley were were really good, and um, Frizzell and Watson were pretty strong as well. But um, they they still don't get enough out of their bench, man. I don't know what he does with his rotations to that bench. I know they're not super strong blokes coming off the bench, but he's not giving them enough time. He's not injecting them at the right time, leaving players on for too long or not long enough. And yeah, it's, it's confusing me what he's doing with that side. Um, the outside backs from Newcastle, they still stink and they're going to stink for quite a while by the looks of things. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned, Crichton and Satili out of position were absolutely loving life running at those centres. And poor Billy Smith, that bloke's cursed. I'd, yeah. He's, yeah. He's played a handful of games in five or six years. He's, mate, yeah. It was horrible to see again that he's gone down. Um, Radley's. Radley's almost back to his best, I think. He's been really good the last couple of weeks. And Teddy and Manu were just brilliant. They were, when ball in hand, they were destructive. And I actually enjoyed Teddy. He played a bit more direct than sort of floating sideways, which has been a bit of a knock on him in that last origin. And occasionally he sort of gets a bit lost in attack, but he was a lot more direct on the weekend. So. Look, uh, we'll see how next year pans out because obviously Kiri comes back. I think we're getting close to the start the the time when Teddy needs to lock here it up and move to six because he's got a decent mm. kicking game. His short kicking game is really yeah. good, um, and he just picks the right time. He can just slow himself down and probably get a bit more uh, value out of himself if he had the right fullback. What they do, they've got Joey Manu, oh, a fullback can pull back yeah. there, um, <laughs> but he could easily play as a top flight six and be be very impressive. Ollie, you wouldn't argue with that. Uh, yeah, well, that might be a way um, of the Roosters actually keeping Joey Manu at the club if the Warriors come knocking. Possibly that might be um, one of the cards that they play. Uh, look, KO better get in touch with Adam O'Brien and do a documentary on him soon so we can all feel sorry for him. Otherwise, he's getting sacked. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> it'll last three um, weeks and he'll smash a camera and it'll be done. <laughs> Yeah, look, if there's any coach that might not be able to um, to look sympathetic and just look angry the, the whole time, it might be O'Brien. But that, that's that's honestly how I can sum Newcastle up. They're not a very good team other than Caelan Ponga. They genuine, like in my opinion, I, I, I say I hate bagging people out, but I bag the same people out every week and I seem to keep doing it. But um, like it, it seems like a big problem is the coach. I would go as far as to say from what I've seen the past, couple of years i know this is weird to say because i made the top eight last year he's would be last on my list in a list of nrl coaches he he seems like he's still got a lot of learning to do um but yeah and, and again the roosters the, the forward pack's been great the forward pack you could argue has been carrying them through a lot of this season especially when teddy's been out due to origin i know manu's been up there um but yeah it's been the forwards taking them forward literally um and just on my man joey manu i've got to I, i've got to bring him up um Obviously, I don't think he was as involved in the attack just because he was out in the centres, but I thought he had a really decent uh, defensive effort. Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, anything we need to add on this game? Absolutely. No, I had Satili with the three points. I thought he was tremendous on that edge. Um, he did the grunt work early and then he broke him open on the on the edge later. I had Teddy with two points. Yeah. And... Uh, 
choice of either Crichton, Radley, or Manu for the one. I'd go Crichton. I'd go Crichton too, but I I, I do have a man crush. I want to just um, <laughs> play with his bun. But um, I, I don't disagree. I, I could have given Teddy three, uh, but I'm happy with that. Uh, yeah, so three, te- three to Benua, two Teddy, one to Crichton. Um, yep. In a weird way, this game to me, tell me what you think about this statement. This this game, if you're a Roosters fan, you could take more out of come finals time than Parramatta could from their game. Agree or disagree? Oh, absolutely. They were yeah. they were thrown in all sorts there at one point. Like they as you said, they had half their team in the wrong position and they still looked quite strong, even though they had all the players in all different parts of the field. Mm. So I thought it was actually a very impressive performance. I thought their backs were to the wall and they um, they came through quite strongly in the end. Yeah, uh, I was super impressed. And you mentioned Radley, just because you didn't get a point, I'll quickly, and I didn't really mention him. The real good locks are like the glue that ties everything together. Yo's, Cameron Murray, uh, and Radley, uh, he hasn't played a lot of footy, but he's close to that class, and he was last year. He's getting back to that. He he just picks the right time to be a ball player sometimes. He picks the right time. He's a bit shyer, but he picks the right time to hit someone. He picks the right time to run. Uh, and makes a lot of tackles. Like he is outstanding. His defense is super strong. Yeah, yeah he'll, be, he'll, he'll be he'll be back um, on the New South Wales bench next week, next year. You'd imagine. You would think so. Yeah. The Storm twenty Cowboys sixteen. Uh, what do the stats say, Barney uh, and Ollie? You can lead mm-hmm. us away. Was this Storm was much needed bad game, or was it the Cowboys stepping up a bit more? But stats so we had for- three tries to four, two out of three conversions. Played two out of four for the Storm. 85% completion for the Cowboys, 76 for the Storm. 34 out of 40 sets played 32 out of 42. Four line breaks to six, 32 tackle busts for the Cowboys, 41 by the Storm. Five offloads to nine, three force dropouts by Melbourne. 325 tackles played 349, three ruck infringements to four. One inside the 10 for both teams, four penalties conceded to seven, eight errors to 12. Gilbert made 37 tackles, Liero with 35. Tuolagi with 159 metres and Welsh with 170. Drinkwater missed four, so did Tomalolo. Cheese missed five and uh, so did Lahiro. Josh had a car with 95 supercoach points, Hughes with 94, Welsh and Hess both on 69. Uh, with due respect to the Cowboys, I do think this was probably more Melbourne's bad game heading into the finals. Um, look, the Cowboys were up for it, though, and their their crucial players uh, stood up and had great performances, your Taumalolos, your Reese Robsons. But, yeah, I think this was Melbourne's one bad game, and I think it is a credit to Melbourne that, you know, we say, oh, the, the top teams usually do have that one or two bad games heading into the finals or lose one or two games. Well, the fact that Melbourne can have their one bad game here, we, I, I at least think this is their one bad game, and still win the game, um, that doesn't usually happen, especially when you take into consideration. I know they were up against a, an out-of-form Cowboys side, but most teams in the competition, you'd think, could have probably beaten them here. Um, but, yeah, they, they just got it done in the end. And, and at the end of the day, they're also a team who, obviously, they've been bringing up records, flogging teams. But now that now they've displayed that they can win in a scrap. Um, and I feel like uh, I keep going to grand final day, but I feel like if they're up against a full-strength Penrith side, at their best, they'll be in a bit of a in a bit of a scrap if both teams are playing at their best. And Melbourne have now proven that they can win in a scrappy game. 
Um, before I go to you, Barn, because I'll let you do your, your um, game summary. I, in the two, just over two years, you and I have, um, we've talked footy on recorded mediums, let's say, uh, between the show and the old uh, Club Trev. They, is this the worst combined officiating effort we've seen? Uh, and we've made a point of not being ref bashers, but I thought every official in this game was pretty poor. Uh, your thoughts yeah, on that, to, and then your thoughts on the game? Man. Yeah, absolutely. There was um, there was way too many wrong decisions in this game, and um, some of them were just quite blatant, really. Mm. And and then the bunker jumped in and started getting some wrong as well. So I don't know what was going well, on. Well, I there. thought I thought the bunker got at least two wrong. I thought Nico Hines should have got a pe- nearly a penalty try for tackled without the ball. Uh, I mm-hmm. thought there was a forward pass blatantly missed and a forward pass. That wasn't called, was it? And then, there, yeah, it was. You, was I'd have to go back and watch it. But I, I, I struggle to think uh, of of any of too many right decisions any of them made. Uh, the uh, and then the Melbourne obstruction call. The, that was a defensive decision from the moment the ball left the ruck. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. There's nothing that could have been done for them to not score that try the way he um, did and charge out the line. I thought that that call was disgusting as well. Uh, what there was an offside in there. There's anyway. Um, your thoughts on the game after that, bud? <laughs> it was very similar to the Parramatta Raiders game, to be honest. Um, it wasn't of the same class, but it was uh, built the same way. It was on the back of guts and determination. Is the only reason the Cowboys kept as close as they were because there was times where Storm threatened to run away, but um, the Cowboys scrambled quite well, I thought, in defence uh, at different times. And some of their players that we've bagged out quite a bit actually put in some really good efforts in um, Cohen Hess and uh, Gilbert. Uh, Robson, again, was one of their better players. Felt and Drinkwater were um, were quite good as well for the Cowboys. But um, I thought it was an awesome, awesome effort for them to stay as close as they did. Uh, Storm weren't in the game, as you mentioned. It was one of their down games. But their class players got them there. They got the they got them the win at the end of the day. Um, Jerome Hughes was the leader of that. He was the best player on the field by quite a way, I thought, with Cheese trailing behind him. But um, well, Cheese got him going that last twenty. He came back out and he just went, "Well, we're going like shit. I'm just going to run out and hurt someone." And I'm just going to start bashing people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Um, Nelson is so for Solomon uh, had one of his better games of the years. I thought um, he had. Five tackle busts and, you know, so, sorry, yeah, nine tackle busts himself and it was five for Cheese and Hughes. When they when they needed to break them open, they did and that was basically the end of the game. Um, Olam was good again. He's, he's an he's angry been, man. He's been impressive. <laughs> he's Last couple man. of weeks, he's been very impressive. Yeah. Uh, Welsh just seems to be getting his fitness back after being out for a little bit there and, yeah, good luck beating this team. If you know, if, when when they're on, there's not going to be many teams that are going to get close to them. So, yeah, I, I think officiating and momentum and bounce the ball goes a different way. It could have been, it still could have been thirty six ten, if everything went the right way. Uh, the, the bloke, Oldie, I think you've hit every point. Uh, Olam, that was well, we said last week, but he's had his, he's now strung together two of his best games, uh, yeah. and he's just so distracted, and he's back to the bloke that you just don't want to tackle. You don't um, want to be anywhere near him. You no. don't want to run near him either. So he, he's got put a few of them together now, uh, and Fox has benefited. Um, and I've got to give a shout-out to um, Granville, who uh, yeah. the, fir- the, the yeah. first player in history to go from a career 
uh, hooker, uh, hooker back yeah. to play fullback, <laughs> and I thought he was competent. Thought, His positioning yeah. was brilliant. Yeah. Um, Is he yards slower than enough. he wants to he's be? He's not quick but, enough no, to be playing at fullback. He was in the, He knew where he had to be. Like his brain uh, was working. You can the right tell way. he knows how to play fullback. Yeah, um, it, obviously, they mentioned it seventy five thousand times yeah. on the coverage that he played for Winner Manly or whoever yeah. the hell it was back in yeah. the day. Yeah. And you can tell that he's played there, like he's put some time in there because he knew exactly where to be and he wasn't really out of position all night. But yeah, he's not quick enough or tall enough to be playing. He he chimed in with some nice sweeping stuff in attack and his defence, being a yard short, but he he read everything correctly. So good on him. Um, uh, Do we need to say much more? Dearden was still probably a weak link in a way to the rest all tried hard. And isn't it amazing in the comp where apparently the rules have killed the game We've seen two teams on paper at class that turned up and tr- actually three. We've got more to get to. You'd argue in a few yeah. other games too that actually a lot tried. Of the games this weekend were just really well, gutsy effort. From yeah, the teams that they came out, put, put it on the line, the and um, yeah. it wasn't a blowout. Isn't and isn't it amazing? We've lost the main man. I had Jerome Hughes with three points, Cheese with two, and I had either Welsh or that Nelson for one. Uh I had Ola, uh I had Olamore Walsh for one. The rest I agree with Ollie. I'd have Olam in there, definitely. There you go. Okay. Uh rough on Christian Walsh, but it's not the first time. Um so <laughs> yeah, three Hughes, two cheese, one Olam. Bunnies sixty, Warriors twenty two, the start of a, a marathon uh, stream yard session for the uh, Beer Garden Empire <laughs> believers. Um Stats, Barney, and what can we uh, what can we <laughs> take from this game? We had eleven tries to four, eight out of eleven conversions, and three out of four for the Warriors. Eighty-one percent completion to South, seventy-one to the Warriors. Thirty-five out of forty-three sets played, twenty out of twenty-eight. One thousand three hundred run meters extra for South. I think it's say one thousand three hundred tackles from the Warriors. <laughs> Could have been close. No, that's a penis game. And, and 410 post-contact metres extra for South than the Warriors. 16 line breaks to two, 41 tackle busts to 23, 11 offloads to nine, four force dropouts by Souths, 236 tackles played, 383, one ruck infringement to two, two inside the 10 to one, two penalties conceded from both teams, eight errors for South, 12 by the Warriors, Cook with 34 tackles, Curran with 51, who I thought was tremendous, actually. Yeah. Kula Matangi with 234 metres and Dallin Wateli Zelezniak with 155. Gay Guy and Walker missed four tackles each. Uh, Lodge missed five. Curran missed four, but as we said, he made 51. So uh, Cook, oh, Walsh made 11 and missed three. Cook with 148 supercoach points. Sewer with 120. Murray with 117, and then you had seven other players before you got down to Dallin on 69 Supercoach points. Now, I'll cut everyone off just here because uh, we'll be people will be screaming at their phones that we didn't mention in news. Uh, RTS has played his last game for the Warriors. He will be yes. leaving um, the bubble this week to beat the complete lockout of New Zealand home uh, and go off and start his rugby career. I imagine he'll be back at some point, but... Um, yeah, so not exactly the way to farewell him, even though he wasn't here, but he's done. Which, uh, anything, well, quick word on RTS, Barney especially, because I know you're a big fan. And I absolutely Ollie. love him, mate. Yeah, I, this is not the way I wanted to see him go out. Obviously, we, I thought he'd be quite impressive this year. Um, he's been mixed in between fullback and 
uh, and on the wing to accommodate Reese Walsh, but I thought he's been pretty much their best, if not their top couple in every game that he's played again this year. It's just complete heart and effort, mate. And the way that he, you know, he could have stayed at the Roosters and probably been rated as one of the best players in the comp if he was still playing for the Roosters today. But he obviously chose to go back to New Zealand and um, represent the club that represents his heritage. And he's done a brilliant job as their captain and their main man for years now. So we wish him all the best. We'll look forward to seeing how he goes in rugby. And as you said, hopefully one day he comes back. Here, here, Ali. Uh, I agree with everything what that Barney said. I would also say for RTS, in pretty much any other era, he would be the best fullback in the game. And I think it's a credit to the current generation of fullbacks we're in because this might be a little bit of a hot take, but in my opinion, there has not been a single season where he has been the best fullback in the comp. Now, I know that's a bit controversial because he's won a Dahlia medal, but every single year he's played, He's been phenomenal. Arguably, his best couple of seasons have been the last two seasons. Recently, um, yeah, yeah. So if that, yeah, if that's anything to go by, I mean, we're, um, yeah, we're lucky to have had him. Personally, I know we say we hope he comes back. I hope he doesn't come back because he's obviously backing himself to go and be successful at rugby union, yeah, yeah. and I hope he has a good enough career over there, the career he wants. That maybe he only comes back by choice and not because he's been. Shafted, put it that way. Oh, more power to him. I feel like he will get through his World Cup and then want to come back, but I I could be wrong. And and if that's the case, I'll probably never see him play again because rugby stinks at the moment. Um, Yeah, he's been absolutely outstanding. He's got size, speed. Uh, There's been games this year. I think this year's been one of his best years, injuries aside. There's times he's single-handedly dragged the Warriors. When there's been no forwards taking hit-ups, he's just said, I'm going to just throw myself at the line and take hit-ups. Uh, when he's had to attack, he's attacked. He's he's been outstanding. Uh, he will be missed, and and he's one of those players, I suppose, until you really start appreciating and watching the game as closely as I guess we do every game that you maybe underappreciate at times, just the work he does. But because um, he's not necessarily as flashy as a turbo or a, or a teddy, but um, and, and and it shows in a lot of the top five fullback lists, people leave him off, and I think just by forgetting, by just not. By underappreciating him, there's a lot. To, there's an argument to be made that um, he might be the most underrated player in the game in the last five years. But he's he's still a Kiwi incumbent. He's he's been there and all the best for him going forward. Now, as for this game, uh, it also appears, given the decision that they've made, that they've got to the end of this game and decided, well, our season's done. We're cooked. And um, fuck, it. fuck it, exactly. So, what did this game barn mean to you? What did you take from South's performance, if anything, and from uh, Auckland's performance, if anything. Yeah, so I'll just find where I am. <laughs> the Warriors started well for the first five minutes, and that was about it. And then five minutes at the end of the half, and oh, I was actually close five. to twenty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty for the game. There's twenty for the game. It was a game, and yeah, there was like yeah. ten minutes in the first half, yeah. ten minutes in the second half, and if you're only going to play for twenty minutes, you're going to get. You're going to get your um, pants pulled down, especially by a team with uh, the, with the points in them that Souths have got. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of play in the first half. Was in and around the middle, which I I'd, I'd spoken to Ollie before the game and flagged that I thought that exactly that was exactly the way they were going to go with Egan and Harris out. Yeah. Their middle defence was completely shot. It was disorganised. They didn't have the guys in there that make the repeat tackle after tackle after tackle, which is your Egan and your Harris's. 
and they just couldn't keep up in the middle. Um, Damien Cook put on his best performance in probably two years or close to. Um, just with his short passing more than anything. Um, and, yeah, Murray and Kulamatangi and even Burgess were just running amok through the middle of the, the Warriors' defence and they had absolutely nothing. And then once the middle was shot, the entire defensive line just fell apart. The only bloke that really sort of kept it together was Curran and he was doing his best to tackle his ass off and stop him, but it Is just didn't happen. <laughs> I'm not sure um, Karen's background, to be honest. Karen, Indigenous. Indi- yeah. Oh, that's right. He played for the Indigenous team, didn't he? Mate, he might yeah. be. He'll be a Queensland. If, I'm guessing Queensland. Oh, let's have a look here. Um, <laughs> a Roosters uh, Junior. A Roosters Junior. Mate, he, he did his Roosters Junior petition, Brothers Blacktown. Uh, he's a Western oh, Sydney boy. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, right. uh, he's got some, uh, well, he's a long way from New South Wales, but... He's got some mongrel about him. If, and he, if he was yeah, a Queenslander, he, he would be an absolute stereotypical Queensland lock for the next 10 years. If, uh, but yeah, like I said, there's, there's a few... Is 100%. There's a few in front of him for New South Wales, though, at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. Well, so once, once the middle fell apart, the whole line fell apart, and they just couldn't tackle, man. They could not stop them anywhere on the field by the end of the game. They just wanted to get out of there by the end of this one. Yeah, well, I've actually seen on the Warriors fan group on Facebook, which I'm a bit surprised about, a lot of their fans hate Curran for whatever reason. Like, I've seen people call for him to be dropped. I don't know. That's just a bit weird. Uh, Well, if I can sum the Warriors up, I'll put it this way. They've now lost eight games in a row. The Bulldogs haven't lost eight games in a row at any point this season. Neither of the Broncos, I'm pretty sure. Like, where, what I'm do glad they... you point this out the week yeah. before they play the Tigers. Um, <laughs> I think, I think they'll, the Tigers are actually the last one they beat. Um, I can't believe anyone would bag Josh Curran. If, if, if I had to pick, uh, and we did our, our roster a few weeks back, but if if there's two under-the-radar blokes that would excite me about the Tigers signing someone, for example, I'd say it'd be Foda Waker and, and Josh Curran. I think you'd love him at your club, wouldn't you? No, I would, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, you can have Karen. Not sure about the other bloke. <laughs> can I have Bullock? Uh, yeah, anything else from this game? Talk about? I thought South targeted Walsh as well. He yeah. had a target on his head, and they were trying to make him make one-on-one tackles um, a lot. To his credit, he kept coming. Um, he made a few errors, and he missed a few tackles, but he didn't put his head down. He did keep coming, and he was realistically the only reason that they scored as many points as they did. But, um, yeah, the Souths were just way too good. Uh, I like when there's blowouts like this. What do you say? They had a field day. Um, can I just mention? I know I'm late to the party a little bit, but uh, I fall in love with Cam Murray too. When you talk about great, yeah. great locks, he was absolutely outstanding again. Just so between support play, ball play, when to run, when to tackle, when to puts try and put someone through a hole, when to take a hole. Uh, a little bit of an exhibition there, but I think since what Origin Two, he's been doing it. Uh, he's been red hot uh, and uh, deserved everything he got this week in, in regards accolades. Uh, anything we need to talk about more about this game? You can't take a lot more. I think it was a, a, a piss take from South. Um, <laughs> look, I'm give, I'm giving Murray three, but after that, take your pick. Uh, Cook could have had three. I get I get that. Uh, Reynolds had his best game in a while, but you're allowed to look good when you're a good player against this. Uh, Latrell was Latrell. Uh, Tommy Burgess, two tries. He's pretty good and just picks his moments well uh, and, and can score a try for a front rower. Um, so any thoughts on the three, two, ones yourselves? 
Yeah, I so, had Cook with three. Oh, sorry, Ollie, go ahead. No, well, I have to agree there. I had Cook with three as well. And um, Cam Murray actually didn't make my top three, and I guess that goes to show how dominant South were because I had uh, Keon Kalamatangi with two and Jane Sewell with one, just the two uh, big second rowers just chewing up metres. Um, that's the big reason. But I'm, uh, other than Damien Cook being somewhere in the top three, I think I'm actually probably okay shifting and moving because there were that many good performances. Yeah, I had Cook with three. I actually had um, Jaden Sewell with two. I thought um, he's displayed some nice touches with the ball um, that I haven't really seen out of him too often this year, and it was probably the best game he's played for quite a while. Uh-huh. And then I had Mitchell or Murray as a toss-up for one point. So, uh, Yeah, now we'll, we'll go. We'll confirm three to... Um... Cook two to Sua and one to Murray. I suppose I got to we go Murray. Murray. I suppose yeah. I got to mention Murray, but yeah, Latrell was the other one on my list. Very good, boys. Manly forty-four defeated the Tigers twenty-four. Barney stats. Eight tries to four, six out of eight conversions, played four out of four. Seventy percent completion by Manly, seventy-six by the Tigers. 28 out of 40 sets played 28 out of 37. 10 line breaks to seven. Was that seven? I didn't think they got that many, unless I've written it down incorrectly. 48 tackle busts to 24. Seven offloads to 12. One force dropout to two. 270 tackles played 255. Four ruck infringements to three. Three inside the tens by the Tigers. 14 errors played 11. Uh, Jake made 37 tackles. Liddell with 39. Turbo with 327 metres. Laurie with 150 um, Croker missed four tackles. Ponga Pauga missed 11 tackles for the Tigers, and Talao missed five. Uh, DCE with 172 supercoach points, Harper with 141, Turbo with 95, and then Little with 86. Well, um, there's a clear issue with the Tigers, and that is that they just don't have any centres. It's pretty much been shown. It's the, the issue, it's the reason Dewey played there for a month. Uh, it's the reason they're chasing Curtis Scott, apparently, according to Channel 7. Uh, but, yeah, the tail of the game, tail of their season, can be broken down to their edge defence. Uh, it's as bad as, yeah, the, the much maligned Newcastle and Titans. Uh, and, and was the difference in this game. Um, not the only difference, but I thought I thought the Tigers showed enough they were they 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 probably could have conferred, made an extra six points in the uh first half just when they had all that ball just before half time and typical tigers they turn all that ball into a drop ball into two tries in two minutes and <laughs> the game's gone um uh, but for for 80 percent of the game they were on par with manly in my opinion um but unfortunately the other 20 is the 20 point difference um and uh, now when buys name there this week, so I don't know if it's going to change. It's it's the most glaring issue. We've got Gildar coming. Maybe Curtis Scott helps, but um, but the rest were all, the Fords were all good. The Fords matched a, a manly mm. Ford pack who I rate. Um, Little was good. Like I can't pick apart too much in Tigers apart from the fact they only conceded forty four points. Um, but <laughs> and that was like I said, all being carved apart, which we knew was going to happen, but. Uh, it, it could have been a, a closer game, um, and ultimately that's got to be you've said you say disappointing. But I think there's enough there where they'll turn around and beat um, the Warriors and Co in the next few weeks. But for the Seagulls, it was their strongest team they've had all year, and they can be scary. And maybe you've just got to take that at face value too. That 
Morgan Harper getting early ball was good. He carved up. Uh, Tommy on the other side got to carve up when he ran. Uh, Schuster ran through some edges as well. Uh, and DCE, I've said it all season, he's the best supporting halfback in the game and he reaped the rewards again uh, and probably had his best, close to one of his best games all year. Maybe the last time he played the Tigers was his other one. Um, pretty complete conform- uh, pr- pretty, pretty complete performance and I think... I don't want to say they'll make the grand final, but I think they're going to shock some teams in the in the finals. I, I would put money on them before a Parramatta or Easts to make a grand final of the three. Um, am I on the right track, Oliver? Uh, well, in terms of this game in particular, the, Tom Travojevic ran for over 300 metres. Mm. He had a Tom Travojevic performance there. Okay, put it this way. When Tom Travojevic is playing at their best and Manly are similar to that roster, there are only two teams who can beat them. Put it that way. And while well, I was thinking about it the other day, Travojevic has won the Dalian medal. Cleary's been out for a few weeks. James Fisher-Harris is now leaving um, for a couple of weeks. Um and Rochetour Vasasek's left, and they were the only three players sort of in and around uh, Travojevic when the um, we went dark with the... How many games he played votes. So, Tommy. Yeah. He's he missed the, played, first, he's probably played, missed the first five. And then he rested twice. So, he's probably twice. played yeah. 12 games. He might be on He might be on 30 points already. He probably <laughs> yeah, is on 30 be. points. Yeah. I mean, Cleary could maybe catch him. Maybe it all depends on how he comes back, I suppose. Yeah. But if Tommy keeps putting in these performances, he's won it. And uh, that's just something else I thought I'd bring up. It's hard as well. Dale Cherry Evans running for 200 metres as well. Um, I know he's someone you love to wrap a lot, Barney, but I thought he was great. Again, I just him. it's just, I know, but Bar- Barney's the one who wraps him when we forget to wrap him every week. So yeah, he, he was oh. just amazing. One of his best performances this year as well. And the Tigers weren't bad. I, I think this is more a case of Manly just being amazing, to be honest. Oh, I thought you have both been a little bit generous to the Tigers, to be honest. I thought their first 30 minutes, it was good back and forth between between the two teams and they were holding their own. And I thought they just fell apart, for the last, especially in that second half. Um, they completely capitulated. Manly just kept up the same effort, the same tempo. And the Tigers couldn't match the tempo. Uh, I thought they, they seemed very tired, especially in that second half. Yeah. I'm not sure what happened there, but they they just seemed everything was in slow motion compared, compared to what Manly were doing. Um, 17 missed tackles between both your centres. You're not going to win any game of football. They could have played bloody Glenmore Park, and if they'd missed 17 tackles in the centres, Glenmore Park would have got them as well. Um, Manly's pack was better than... The Tigers, but only just. They didn't blow them away through the middle. But um, as you mentioned, Morgan Harper had the best game I think he's ever played in his life. He was on. He was. He just wanted to get involved constantly. And when he had the ball, he was a massive threat on that right hand side. It probably helps that um, the young fella missed eleven tackles <laughs> that he was running at. But um, yeah, so uh, little. Little and the halves are pretty good. Um, Luciano, he, he just seems to put in every week. He's. Um, my estimations of him have grown a lot, uh, especially this year. And when DCE is on, he's probably the best half, com- most complete halfback running around. His kicking game is brilliant. Um, his passing game, when it's when it's on, is just as good. And he's he's clever as well. He he thinks outside the box a lot more than a lot of the halves do that are running around. 
Like he, he'll be the one that'll throw caution to the wind and put in a chip kick or play a um, you know, throw that long ball when other blokes won't do it. Well, he had um, the one, he had the one, um, yeah, he had the side of the foot kick, Jared. Like he just sort of mm-hmm. not a lot going on. He kicked offside his foot, and it, like I said, his his support play, uh, and I don't know if it's because I've watched more Manly lately, but or this year, but. He's, if you watch him, he's always. If it's not Tommy, if someone makes a break, he's always there. He's chasing. He's yeah, always. He's, always, he's always following the ball. Yeah. Always chasing. Um, Simpkins and Stefano were okay, but um, the majority of the Tigers team, I didn't think were worth feeding. To be honest. Um, on the other hand, for Manly, I thought most of their players put in a pretty solid effort. There was only one or two that you could probably mention that weren't great, uh, but. Yeah, DCE, Harper and Tom, the, they were the standouts. And that's my 3-2-1, DCE with three, Harper with two, and Trubojevic with the one. Uh, that's exactly what I had. That only could yeah. and maybe we're underrating Turbo. But Turbo was flattered by, by you know, 300 metres is flattering, I think. It was just Especially with the fullbacks. Fullbacks you can add probably 80 to 100 metres. Just, just and on well, one was that and he made two breaks where he made 60 metres both. You know what I mean? Like he, he's a bit flattered. Yeah. I thought DCE was the best player on the field. As well, so yeah, stick I your dallying up your ass, Ollie. Yeah, <laughs> bad, bad. He's a poor it's man's the DCEM. Tell me. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so let's go DCE three, Turbo two, Harper one. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the other um, way around, but oh, which one? Yeah, no, uh, Harper two, Tommy one. I'm fine with that. Doesn't so matter. GT DCE three, two to Harper, one to Tommy. It probably won't matter. Come, because Harper probably will never play a game like that again. Yeah, I don't think it's going to cost uh, Turbo or Daggy M. No. Now, speaking of missed now, Barney, last week I believe it was in fact where you said sixty-five missed tackles. Who misses sixty-five tackles? Well, Penrith missed sixty-six <laughs> on the weekend uh, as they held on against Brisbane, eighteen to twelve. The second time this year that Brisbane have given them a shake. What did the rest of the yep. stats say? So we had three tries to two, one out of three conversions for Penrith, two out of two for the Broncos, a penalty goal for Penrith and a two-point field goal right on the stroke of halftime. 79% completions played 82%, 33 out of 42 sets played 36 out of 44, four line breaks to three, 27 tackle busts to 69 tackle busts for the Broncos, 10 offloads to 12, two force dropouts to three, 396 tackles played 352. Two ruck infringements for both teams. No inside the tens, which is yeah, radio. Five penalties conceded from both teams. 13 errors played nine. And a sin bin for the Broncos. Kenny with 61 tackles. Ricky with 48. Edwards with 269 metres. And Haas with 273. Kenny missed eight tackles. Fisher, Harris and Kate will both missed six. Luai with seven, Burton with five, and fuck knows how many more. <laughs> Stags missed four. Um, Hass with 106 supercoach points. Toto with 87, and Crichton with 83. You have to give the Broncos uh, some plaudits for their effort in this one. They seem to be Penrith's bogey team. The last three times that they've first, Penrith have won by less than 10 points. And Brisbane have looked like winning at certain points. It, it's absolutely crazy. Obviously, not a bogey team in the traditional sense that they lose, but yeah, yeah. Their, their effort was brilliant, man. Like considering, you know, they're up against it. They're up against Penrith, and 
they made him miss a lot of those tackles too, just through the hard running, especially from Haas. Um, uh, blokes like Ricky. Ricky probably had one of his better games that he's ever played. Well, that was the hype we were waiting at the start of the year when we all did our preview. That yeah. was the, the one we hyped. Well, Payne Haas, like we talk about Moe, we talk <laughs> about Fish, but he, at his no. best, is the best prop in the game and he showed it here. Uh, and spoilers, in a losing effort, I'm giving him three points in my votes. But... Yeah. Um, what was scared? Oh, finish what you're saying, Barn, and I'll get into mine. <laughs> you're right. Look, realistically, obviously, as I said, you've got to give Broncos plaudits for their efforts, but Penrith were, were not good. No. Penrith weren't even close to good in this game. Um, as you said, you can't miss 69 tackles. I don't know how they won, realistically. Um, the fact that the Broncos just they bombed a couple of tries especially that one from Croft where all he had to do was hold on to the fucking thing and he would have just landed on they the try the line and, he's, yeah. and he passes a, throws a forward pass. Broncos were coming to get him in that last 20 minutes and um, they probably should have won. It was it was but, scary how quickly that middle fell apart when Yo went off. Um, yeah. that, and all all of Broncos' attack was just straight between the goalposts. They it just was, had young yeah, blokes um, coming between the goalposts. There is hype there for Brisbane. Uh, hope there for Brisbane if they can tie down all those young. They're all young forwards. They've got rid of the, in their estimation, Deadwood. Tie those mm-hmm. blokes down. Give them eighteen months. They could be. A, they'll be back to being a scary pack in. Yeah, well, we said that at the start of the year. year. We said yeah. Broncos need to strip out everyone and just give the kids a year or two, and because realistically, this year's a write off and. Part of next year could be too, depending on what they um, feel at the start of next year. But um, yeah, Penrith, as we said, we're nowhere near their usual form. That they never miss sixty nine tackles. They conceded five penalties, thirteen errors. Um, like, but the Broncos need to start giving some early ball to their strike people outside. Uh, well, la- especially Katoni's Stags, Herbie Farmworth. They're guys with footwork and speed, and they need some early ball. And they're just they're just not getting it. So. You cutting half your points in half straight away. Why not? Well, I'll, I'll go as far to say those that places. they didn't do it last week. And we just talked about how bad the Tigers centers were. They got arguably the best actual center in the game, Katoni Staggs, back. He didn't touch a ball. Again, yeah. this time, um, he didn't have a lot of involvement, and it was their for um, it was their forwards that dragged him back into it. Um, just quickly, the halves run with the ball too much. They they're yeah, just going to yeah, start yeah. passing it that bit earlier. Yeah, um, they did it to the sharks and fucking they carved the sharks up on the outside edges. Yeah, like, not that the sharks are a great defensive team, but but I'm I'm just not convinced. Well, Brody Croft obviously um, is probably going to be unemployed next year. But well, quick question: If you put Adam Reynolds into this game for Brisbane, who wins? Yeah, I think Brisbane win this game, to be honest. I think they get more field position and they, they would have got a bit more early ball, especially out to the blokes like Staggs and Farnsworth. Yeah, uh, and it hasn't suited mainstream media to talk about how bad Penrith are going, but I know they've been winning by and large, but I've been saying for a month their defence has been very, very average. Uh, and, and what's concerning about this is if you look through the actual top team, like you said, Burton, five missed tackles. Luai, seven missed tackles. Leota, five missed tackles. Fish, six missed tackles. Kickout, two. Capewell, six. Kenny, eight, who's going to be playing hooker for the next six weeks. Uh, next two weeks, is it? Um, yep. Liam Martin, eight missed tackles and three ineffective tackles. Um, Brett Naden, four missed tackles, is going to be the first choice centre for uh, a couple of weeks. They, It's concerning um, for me. Uh, and 
I think I think Stephen Crichton's class basically got him over the line. He was involved with most Pretty of much. the points, and yeah. uh, they didn't look like having points from anywhere else. Um, and Dylan Edwards chimed in Edwards quite nicely. Good, yeah, Edwards especially with the two point field goal at halftime. Well, end of the day, well, he, anyone expected him to kick that, and he absolutely smoked it. Yeah. So. Well, end of the day, that and the um, penalties were the were the main difference. Um, and, and I would, it, it's being underplayed, and I know it doesn't suit mainstream media because they've got the blockbuster game on Saturday. Penrith need Penrith are going to be in trouble for a few weeks, and then we'll see what they what what they have at the back end when they'll come back fresh. Um, we talked about the Flegler thing. Um, who else do we what else do we need to talk about from this game? Yeah, well, that yo knockout looked like it hurt a lot, mm. <laughs> especially for the team. I think it hurt the team more than it hurt yo, to be honest. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, we mentioned that that Crichton flick pass at the end, as you said, that little bit of class that was that was silky the way he busted up the line and then threw that flick pass for Stags uh, Stains to score in a corner. But yeah, the, the Broncos kept coming. But yeah, I think we've mentioned most of what we need to talk yeah. about in this one. Um. Ollie, nothing to add? Oh, just on Penrith. We'll see how they go on grand final day. That That's, at this point, literally all you can really say about Penrith. Would you still back them to be their grand final day? Because we've, we've, we've been through every yes. match and you're still comfortable to say they'll be there? We've said it after Power, we've said it after Roosters. Are you set up to Manly? You think Penrith will still be their grand final day? They're going to have all their players back. Yeah, I want to see how they go on two weeks before finals. Fair enough. No, yeah, fair comment. Uh, the inter- the real interesting game could be just what's left of them come the round twenty five game with power. That could be a very interesting uh, barometer. Anyway, as I've said, uh, ha- I'm giving Haas three here. Uh, yep. I then had where's my thing? Uh, I'm still giving two to Tuo because he still made what seven thousand yeah. meters, and uh, and uh, Angus Crichton won. But I'm potentially underrating Angus Crichton's effort here. What do you think? Right, Angus Crichton. The other Crichton. I go to bed thinking about him. I wake up thinking about him. What do I do? Stephen Crichton. So I had Haas with three. I had Fisher-Harris with two because I thought um, when he was on the field, he was really good for Penrith. And then I had 2-0 or Crichton for the one. Ollie? Um, Then I suppose it will have to be Crichton one, Toto two, and um, Haas three. Okay, I think that's what I said, but I was, you just confused me because you're backwards. Um, yeah, well, if Ivan's driving the bus, they've lost their steering wheel this week in Nathan. They've lost the mo- the engine in uh, Fish. They've lost the back wheels in Tuo. Uh, and they've lost the fucking chassis in Yo. So uh, concerns this weekend. We'll see who comes back when. Who's going to push the bus? Yeah, yeah so... Uh, I already made already made excuse for him this week, but um, you still wouldn't want him to get beaten by sixty. If I'm Penrith, if I'm Penrith, uh, the main one's Cleary, right? So if I'm Penrith, Cleary comes back round twenty three against Souths, um, and then we go from there. We see the most um, the most there. alarming thing is their defence, as Daggy mentioned, the last three or four weeks it hasn't been great. And start of the year they were only conceding two tries at the most every game. They were they were on track to have the greatest defensive season ever. No, yeah. they still do. Yeah. The scary thing is they have the greatest defensive record of any team through 18 rounds, um, mm-hmm. even with the last month. So that is how much they've dropped off. Uh, and and that's pretty incredible. I don't know if that's a sign of other teams waking up or 
Oh, what? And as you mentioned, a lot of them were uh, the blokes that are starting every week this week, um, which was concerning. Obviously, you got blokes, a few blokes with tired legs, and you're probably going to find a lot of them will get rested over the le- next couple of weeks. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting how they're going the week, the week or two before finals kicks off. Well, and the important ones, um, Yo and Tuo, obviously, don't never want someone to be coming back from syndesmosis, but they've mm. been through ori- the, the the ones that are out have all been through Origin as well. So they're, yes, they're giving them a that's that's a tick in a way. I, I, yeah. I, I, there's work to be done at Penrith, and I, uh, Ivan sort of brushed it off in the post game comments. So maybe he's not worried. Maybe he should be. I don't know. Um, he could just be loading them up with the work at the moment. Who knows? And, and, and that's the classic. The um, and that's the classic Bennett, wasn't it? Or Bennett's team. Bennett's used to drop machines, those. They used to do that a lot. You, yeah. How many of those teams used to lose round twenty five and you go, What's going on? And next minute they're winning the uh, qualifying round qualifying final by twenty. Yeah. Especially when you're that far in front, it's probably not a bad idea to load them up with the six weeks coming into the finals and let them go a couple of weeks before. And a yeah. and a freshen up for fish. Yeah. Toughest thing for fish will be two weeks in a hotel room again. Four weeks in a hotel room again. <laughs> Um. Anyway, Titans thirty-two, Dragons twelve. Uh, what do the stats say here, Barn? I had Dragons ten. Did I read? Uh, no, read no, it? no, it might have been typo. Hey, two tries to <laughs> two tries to five. One out of two ten. conversions played five out of five, and a penalty goal for the Gold Coast. Seventy-one percent completion played seventy-nine. Twenty-seven out of thirty-eight sets played thirty-three out of forty-two. Hundred and thirty. Plus post contact meters for the Titans, six line breaks to nine, 29 tackle busts to 47, uh, 10 offloads to 16, one force dropout by the Titans, 351 tackles played 302, three ruck infringements from both teams, two penalties conceded to four, 13 errors to oh, yeah, 13 errors to 11. Blake Laurie with 34 tackles, Rain with 40, Fee Guy with 200 meters, and um, what have I put down? Oh, AJ Brimson. I'm like, AJ, AJ's injured. <laughs> AJ, AJ Brimson with 245 metres. Hunt missed six tackles. Bird missed five. Ramsey had a horror night and missed four. Herbert and Taylor missed four tackles apiece. Fafita with 134 supercoach points. Guy with 89. And the young fella Sexton with 83 supercoach points. Um, Well... The dragons are done, aren't they? When you talk about like um, young uh, Faye guy, Faye Nini, Faye High. Um, both of them look like they might have something to offer down the road. Uh, they're both uh, yeah, definitely got a little bit of pluck about them. But um, oh, I watched this. It was one of those. It was weird. I watched this game, and it just never felt like dragons were even in the game. But it also never felt like Titans quite got going until I, I, I actually like I, I'm not a not I'm not knocking him for doing it I'm not knocking the player for playing that way but the idea of um, having Fafita just come on after 20 minutes uh, if he's not going to do the hard work anyway then why fight it and just bring him on to bus games open that's what yeah. he did um, and it worked uh, but this game open the game he he won him this game in what 10 minutes. Um, and there was no way back uh, beyond that. I don't really know what to say. Marzu's a good player. He's come back. He's came back from his injury pretty well. Corey Thompson's a great addition. They they both strengthen up uh, the um, that the edges, outside yeah. edges which they've needed. Uh, where is it here? Let me find my stats. 
Uh, Patrick Herbert still four missed tackles. And I think there was a bunch of errors. Uh, Brian Kelly, three handling errors and three errors. Uh, but it, So, you know, there's the one real point for the Titans. Uh, Toby Sexton, Ollie, you must be happy. I thought he showed quite a bit. I thought he um, showed why they re-signed him and he'll probably be playing ahead of Ash Taylor next year. Fords all did their job. Uh, they're all good players. And, um, yeah, Fafita came on and for 57 minutes lit up what he had to light up and uh, feasted on running it. They played him on the other side, and he just uh, made a complete mockery of most of the defence. Uh, you must be happy, Oliver. And where does it sit everyone instead going forward? Oh, well, I'm very happy um, with Toby Sexton's performance. Oddly enough, there were Titans fans bagging him. You really? don't say that uh, people yeah, on social media don't know what they're I talking don't. about. Yeah, I don't, that's just another, <laughs> another crazy. Bag, bag I, I that don't. performance. Seriously. I know. It was a tremendous yeah. debut. And we've been all looking for considered. a half, half, half to sort of break things open a little bit and take a bit of initiative all season. We've got one and people bag him. I don't know. I, I, I don't get it personally. Um, but AJ, back to form, at least of this game. But what can you say about Greg Marzu that we haven't already said when he's played before? As to the man, Mo Waker. I will say this about the Titans. I'm... Now that I say this, they're going to screw up and they won't make the eight, but <laughs> they, um, they've they won three of their past four. They ha- they if almost they- have to make the eight now, don't they? Well, if they don't beat the Bulldogs, they're going to jump off a cliff and they are versing two top eight sides for the rest of the season. Yeah. So if they I talk about playing to their potential, if we can get them playing to their potential for the rest of this season, then they should make the eight. Then again, it is the Titans, but... Um, it, it, they've now played the way that they played, as I said, winning three, the last four, it, it's at least now in their hands. It's in their hands. Um, and they're in control of their, their destiny. If you will, to get a bit philosophical, the dragons yeah. were just crap. Um, and yeah, look, it was a great performance from Fafita off the bench. I don't know if I want to see him coming off the bench for. Do you want your one point? You don't want your 1.2 the, mil bloke coming exactly to the bench, I know, but I, I, it worked. I'm, I'm fine with it the, yeah i'm fine with it for the next couple of weeks uh put it this way we verse melbourne in a couple of weeks time i probably don't want to only see him coming on for half an hour off the bench in that game i want him at his best and i want him starting and i want him um hopefully putting in a dominant performance if they, the times are going to be any then they're no chance to get to melbourne but if they are to be any chance he's going to be, have to be on um but there's not too much else i can say about the titans i'm happy with the performance and quite very quietly optimistic i mean they should they have it in them to and then they've got the run home where they can make the top eight it, it's in their hands now Barney. well both of these games watch for me um the, the Titans are a little better than uh, the Sharks were in their performance. But, yeah, the Sunday games are probably the, the harder ones to watch for me. It reminded me of, um, remember last year I used to have a Candy Crush game of the week? Yeah. Um, it reminded me, this was my Candy Crush game of the week because I just could not get into it as a viewer. Um, yeah, the, the Dragons were competitive for the first half. Um, and with the bounce of the ball, they probably could have been closer at half time. Um there's one or two times where the, the it just didn't go their way in that first half, and um, the Titans benefited from it. Hunt and Figo were probably the best two for the for the Dragons, and Bird and Maguire were okay, but the rest of them didn't have a great day out. To be honest, um, Jack DeBellin was 
good and he seems to be improving a little bit with um I think he's just still not match fit to be honest. The boat hasn't played for a couple of years. So but um they made ten errors in their back line. Then you keep you know, when you when you go for the spread and you're looking for points and you just keep putting the ball down, it's not gonna it's not gonna help you. And their defense at times was deplorable, especially Cody Ramsey on David Fafita, I know he's a much bigger body, and but you've got to get you've got to put yourself in front of him, at least be a speed bump, you know what I mean? Like there was a couple of times where it looked like he was patting him on the back as he ran past him. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you do there. Um, as I said, Fafita absolutely enjoyed terrorizing Cody Ramsey. Young Sexton looks like he's got a pretty bright future, to be honest. I think he's more of a seven than a six, but who yeah. knows? Um, down the track, yeah, he seemed to be very, um, very game management sort of structured play and um but he was really good at what he did. Oh you could get a, you could get away f- um Fogarty at six, couldn't you? With yeah, d- I think so. And it, it's music to my ears when someone says he looks like a bit more of a, a seven than a six because we need someone who's a bit more of a, a seven than a six. I, I think Fogarty <laughs> is, but he's sort of teetering for me. Uh, at yeah. least last end of last year he looks like more of a seven, but yeah, he did yeah, um, as I said, thought the Titans were fairly solid, pretty much all over the park. Wallace and um, Jalefi, they had great impact, The both of those two. Um, I don't think Wallace will ever score two tries again, so he should enjoy this one. But they they were super strong, those two blokes, and um, they had a big part to play in this game. I had Fafita with three points, Sexton with two, and I gave one to Jared Wallace because, as I said, he probably never scored two tries again in his life. So. Ollie, what do you make? Uh, three, two, one for you. Uh, yeah, it's hard to go past having Wallace in there. I wouldn't wouldn't have him uh, getting my three. I'd have the man whose theme song you're currently playing, AJ Brimson Styles, if you will, uh, with three. <laughs> uh, with two, I'm going to, because I love him, um, I'm, I'm going to go with the man, Corey Thompson. Uh, not as good as a defensive effort as I'm used to from him, but still made a couple of tackles, some good run meters. And for my one personally, um, there's got to be Jared Wallace, yeah. Huh. How could it's you leave like, Fafita out? I had three for Fafita absolutely too, so. broke the game apart. Yeah. I had three for Fafita, uh, <laughs> two for uh, two Brimson, uh, and then Wallace Sexton sort of in that mix as well. So... Uh, summing all that up, can someone do the maths? Three for Fafita. Cause yeah, Fafita three, AJ two, and we'll give Wallace the one. Yeah, give it to Wallace. But uh, big kudos, uh, a very impressive debut from uh, Sexy Sexton. <laughs> Sharks 44 beat the Bulldogs 24. Uh, interesting game. Barney, what the stats say? I'm trying to. to I'm just trying to. When I had to re-put my thoughts together for this game, it my brain stopped. Um, what the stats say, and then what your brain say? Four tries to seven, four out of four conversions for the Dogs, and six out of seven for the Sharks, and two out of two penalty goals for Cronulla. Eighty percent completion played, eighty-six percent completion. Twenty-four out of thirty sets played, thirty-six out of forty-two. Um, four hundred plus run meters for the Sharks, and one hundred and seventy plus post-contact meters. Four line breaks to eight, 35 tackle busts played 53, nine offloads to 12, two force dropouts to three, 324 tackles made by the Dogs, 235 made by the Sharks, three ruck infringements to two, two inside the tens from both teams, six penalties conceded by the Dogs and zero by the Sharks, nine errors to six, and a sin bin to the Dogs. Jackson with 48 tackles, Nakora with 58, 
Thompson with 204 running metres and Talakai with 214. Avarillo missed six tackles. Uh, their props missed... Uh, what have we got here? Sorry. Props missed 18 tackles between them. Trindle missed four, made six, and Braley missed five. Katoa with 122 supercoach points. Corey uh, Thompson with Luke Thompson, not Corey Thompson. Luke Thompson with 100... What have I done? 116 supercoach <laughs> points. And Nakora with 107. Can't even read my own handwriting. Just like the last game, big parts of this game was pretty hard watch for me, even being a Sharks fan, to be honest. Um, the Sharks started fast and put on five tries in that first half. And a lot of that was on the back of Sean Johnson. He had the ball on an absolute string there for um, a good 20 minutes in that first half before he um, he's done a hammy, I think it was, and he's out off, off and gone again. Um, Sharks just used their, their mismatches on the edges. Um, they had, you know, your Ramians, Katoas, Militanos, bigger, faster, stronger than what the Bulldogs had in defence and their defence outside has been probably their biggest problem for the entire year, to be realistic. Um, Luke Thompson absolutely dragged that entire forward pack with him. He put every one of them on his back and just went, look, this is how it gets fucking done and I'm going to do it and you blokes need to start doing it too. He was fucking tremendous. That one run where he beat 7,000 tackles. and well, it, it won't be because it'll be a 100-metre one, but that should be in the conversation for try of the year. <laughs> oh, mate, the way he was just brushing people off. And he was absolutely pumped after that as well. So his adrenaline was going. He was he was amazing, man. He was fucking amazing. Yeah, well, spoilers again. He's getting three points. But um, <laughs> if um, he doesn't get, I, oh, finish his stats first. No, as I mentioned earlier, I thought Lewis has probably outshone Avarillo recently. Um, mm. I don't know if he's sort of gone back into his shell playing second fiddle, but. Um, Josh Jackson is just an absolute machine. He does it week in, week out, makes a million tackles and does his little bit with the ball in hand. He, but, yeah, bit, actually, I had nothing to talk about now. I've got to talk about Keep going because I write it. <laughs> Katoa <laughs> seems to have got his um, his legs back. He looks like he's got his match fitness back and um, hopefully he can continue to be his, um, try, at his try scoring best when he gets back there. Rudolph and Talakai oh, and Nakora, those three were the reason that the Sharks won this game. The, the amount of cleanup work they did in the middle, the tough runs, um, they they helped the Sharks keep it together in the middle. And um, Tracy looked better as a centre than he does as a half. I'm not sure how that works next year and what they're going to do with him. But um, he was still he was still wasn't bad. He was probably even better than Trindle actually when he moved into that half, created a few more opportunities. But when they lost Sean Johnson, they just lost their way. The Sharks. Yeah. Um... If Thompson doesn't get binned, what's the final score, Barn? Yeah, it's probably six-point game um, either way, realistically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Does that concern you? No, oh, yeah. Of course it does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As I've mentioned right. a lot of times, um, the, the oh, Sharks' yeah. middle middle defence is, is an issue. Um, they got by with this one just through their running metres, as I mentioned, with Rudolph, Talakai and Nakora. They were running so strong through the middle that they, they were able to sort of stay on top. But, yeah, without Sean Johnson, um, the kicking game suffers. The the attack just loses a fair bit of direction. So uh, it's going to be interesting how they go over the next couple of weeks without Sean Johnson there. So. Yeah, well, the 18 points they scored by Thompson was off. Arkatel, Kennedy, Talakai all scoring was ultimately different in this game and they nearly got and then um Bulldogs had all the momentum straight after half time and nearly 
you thought, oh, here they come, and then a bit of dumb stuff, and it, it's like watching a Tigers turning game the straight ball away. Over in the wrong 12-point turnaround. Um, yeah. Concerning, uh, you've mentioned, there's two blokes I just want to touch on, Ollie, and I'll get to you in a sec, sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, you mentioned Luke Thompson. What is what is Trendle in your mind, Barn? Is he a five eight? Is he a just a? Center? He's a halfback. Yeah, I think Trindle's Trindle's a halfback. You mean Tracy? No, no, I mean Trindle. Like I was just watching him. Yeah. I thought he was okay. I thought he was okay, but he just doesn't have. I don't know. Yeah, he, it's like he has one X factor, but he's missing. He's a, he's a lot like um <laughs> as the, he's a the lot other like factor. Flanagan to be honest. Yeah. Um, his defense isn't bigger. great, but it's not the worst as a halfback. Um, he's just got a size where he can break a line. He might a even bit. be a six, realistically, just because mm. he, he's better at running the ball than anything else. But his main go is his kicking game, which at times can be great and at times can be pretty rubbish if he's not hitting them properly. But he's he's sort of more of a game management kicker than anything else, realistically. No, fair enough. Um, I just he, he might even end up in the back row by the yeah, time. Yeah, well he just he strikes me as being that bit bigger where he can he looks like he should be able to bust more lines than he, he maybe does. Um He and, got a bit greedy at the back end of this one and ran yeah, the ball a lot yeah. a fair bit too often. I thought yeah. he should have probably delivered the ball a bit more than what he did at the back end of the game. But yeah. Uh, and I know ifs and buts, we talk about Thompson going off, but also if Johnson stays on, maybe that balances out. So it is yeah. what it is. Oh, um, massively. Last... I reckon if Johnson stays on, the Sharks probably put on 60. Yeah. So, the way they were going. So that so. is concerning at the back in the season. And just quickly, I talked about Yes being one of the most underrated players the last five years. Josh Jackson, his workload every week in a spastic, t- I don't know how to say, in a terrible team. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's not just the amount of tackles he makes. It's the final cover defense tackle. He saves tries one-on-one uh, or chops people down 10 out that look like they're half through a hole and he appears and chops them down. Uh, and it's been, obviously, it's been for a long time. But, and I know he's played for New South Wales and everything else. But It's just one of those mental motherfuckers. Like, you, know, you could be an, an outside backer and a half and you get the plaudits because you fucking mm. you set up tries or you score tries and all the rest of it. He's just one of those mad motherfuckers who just wants to hurt people. Yeah. Every week makes 50 tackles. And what does he get for it? Oh, yeah, next week. You know what your job is next week? You're going to make another tackles. fucking 50 tackles. That's right. Like, if if he played – I, I, the more I've <laughs> thought about it with him, if he'd, if he'd played for, say, Roosters the last five years – He's probably the New South Wales captain, and you're probably talking about him close to Boyd Cordner levels. I would, I would like to found like for him to be with a coach that decided, okay, I, I know you can do that, but I want to work on your your offloads, and I want to work yeah, on you yeah, being a bit yeah. more of a because he's got it in him. But that's what he was he when he first played for New South him Wales. As a tackling machine. When he did play for New South Wales, that's what he was. He was a mad ball yeah. runner. Uh, he yeah. was an impact player. Ollie sitting there calmly waiting away. Um, what do you take out of this game, if anything? Oh, so I'm going to go back to him, Luke Thompson. I know he played lock this week, but we always talk about, and we, we even talked about it earlier on the show, how Mo Fish, Payne Haas, the three best props in the game. Is Luke Thompson four? Or is he he's, in the conversation he's, with those blokes? He's, he's in the conversation. great this year. Uh, let me mm. just think. I'll have to think of a top of, a, say, Adam Fanua Blake, five. There's your five. Yeah. He's on his day, he's as good as any of them, really. Like if he that performance is as good as yeah. I've seen from a front rower this year. Yeah, that I reckon that one. Uh, yeah. I reckon Mo's Huss performance well against 
Mo's performance in about 10 weeks back, Haas's performance, mm-hmm. uh, and Fisher-Harris' performance. The couple, they've all had these games where if they're not yeah. on the field, they don't win the game. And the big kudos you give to blokes like Haas and Thompson is they do it every week. doesn't matter yeah. if their team's getting flogged. It doesn't yeah. matter if they're for, all the rest of their mates are playing like shit. They just turn up and they just pump it out week after week. Yeah, absolutely. He that was. I know it's a beard and a half ranger, but that was a grade <laughs> James Graham. Like that was this bloke's the yeah. bomb, the yeah, best yeah. bomb in the comp. Yeah, easily. And if he keeps going at this current rate, I don't see any reason as to why we don't remember him up there with an Adrian Morley and a Graham and a and a Sam Burgess, for example. And uh, and his attitude is fucking and, and uh, who's another Tigers player? Gareth Ellis. Gareth, oh, <laughs> Gareth Ellis. <laughs> the man who was pretty much their best player the last time they made the finals. No, shame on me for forgetting um, Gareth quite, Ellis. Although yeah, with, I aroused myself. With Ellis. Gareth With Ellis. Ellis <laughs> with Gareth. Ellis, I personally would have liked to seen a longer stint in the NRL. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. But um, yeah, I'm sure most Tigers fans would have liked for him to stay for a couple, Wish he was couple still of years. But um, he can tackle. That, that, that's uh, one way he can tackle. Yeah. Well, that, that's how I'm going to sum up this game by talking about Gareth Ellis. That that's my thoughts on this game. <laughs> I've completely gone off. Topic. Okay, good. That probably summed up everyone's thought in this game because it was a weird Sunday, and um, I, I I I agree with you. I really got to let. Uh, for me, it was a thumbs up from this round because I thoroughly enjoyed most games and I did yep. had high expectations going in. I think they lived up to it, but the, the Sunday was very much a me lying in a hammock, half paying attention, half um, pretending to throw cricket balls to my son. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Luke Thompson, three points. You're probably to dusty as fuck as well, but... I was... I may have been. Uh, and I know someone else <laughs> in this household that may have been more dusty. But she will rename name it, name nameless. You're still dusty. Uh, uh, Luke Thompson, two hundred three run meters, thirty two tackles, two line breaks, one try assist, and a try gets three points for me. Uh, take your pick of the, the Sharks. Uh, oh, Sean Johnson too, and then take your pick of Talakai Rudolph or Nakora for me. Uh, uh, Gareth Ellis. Why not? <laughs> I had Thompson three, Nakora two, and I gave Katoa one. Um, it was only because Johnson was off the field for so long, um, realistically. Yeah, I, 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 and I, that's why I didn't. That's why originally I didn't. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's go with Barney's GT, um, what Barney said just then. Thompson, Nakora, Katoa. All righty. So um, in summary, boys, yeah, a thumbs up from all of us. An enjoyable week of footy, and this week looks even more enjoyable. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Pop plan of the week, Ollie. It's hard not to, and I don't think I'm ever... Actually, maybe next week there could be a couple of players, but I've never pot-planted Penrith before, and I think this is a good opportunity to give them a pot-plant because they were not good. 69 tackles, yeah. Barney? 69 missed tackles. I, I'm going with Tommy Talao, mate. Um, yeah, 14 runs, yeah. 100 metres, Okay. Six tackles, five missed tackles, and four errors. It was the four errors, and they were crucial errors in that yeah. game. Um, yeah, yourself? Uh, well, the honor, honorary mention, as you mentioned, was uh, poker on the other side, 11 missed tackles. Uh, but I am actually going to stay, uh, and, and I escaped this so far, But um, and, and he's remained nameless a lot, but Adam O'Brien... Uh, is my pop plan of the week. I genuinely believe if Newcastle have turned up in round one and coached themselves for the whole year, they would be doing better than... Their <laughs> or if a pop plant was just, just sitting, sitting there. there. 
just sitting there occasionally dropping leaves to the left or to the right. That would that's fine. Uh, so that's mine. My <laughs> slap of the week uh, is Josh Aloe. Uh, I thought that was a really low act, and um, he's now put a kid out, a promising kid out for twelve months, and I don't think that's fair on um, at all. And I don't think the the punishment fit the crime. So slap from me. Also, additional slap, bonus slap today. The uh, Channel Seven Olympic coverage. Every time I turn, I think I'll sit down and watch half hour Olympics. I see some fuckwit like Matt Shervington talking for half an hour, and then actually see, see any Olympics um, or someone. It's like, is it that hard to just show something? Show some fat yeah, bloke throwing a fucking them. shot put, or show uh, someone off a diving board? No, we have to hear from um, some blonde Sheila talk about how exciting it was that half hour ago someone else did something. Just show the fucking sport. Anyway, that's go to own. seven, mate. mate. Just yeah, go to Channel Seventy Three. There's generally something else on. I know. <laughs> uh, and the Seven Plus app has everything else, but like the free to wear stuff is disgusting. Anyway, Barney, um, have you got a uh, slap? Of I'm going to slap Polga on the other side of the Tigers' <laughs> defence. <laughs> Again, nine runs, 117 meters, and a line break's not bad. Three tackle busts, but 12 tackles, and then to miss 11. I know he had a big bloke running at him and terrorising the shit out of him, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I only gave him, didn't give him the pot plant because he's a young kid, so <laughs> he gets the slap and Tommy <laughs> can have the pot plant. Fair enough. Yeah, well, he's still got some uh, upside from the slap. Uh, Ollie? Yeah. yeah, so this is more of a don't fuck up now, let's keep going with it slap <laughs> to Justin Holbrook for the reasons I mentioned before. One three of our past four, we're only versing two top eight teams for the rest of the season. Granted, they are Souths and Melbourne, but we can afford to drop those two games. Um, Maybe even another one, depending on how other teams play. But, I mean, this is it. Come on. Come on. Let's do it. Why not? And who are you saluting, Oliver? Who am I saluting? Oh, who am I going to salute? This week, you know who I'm going to salute. I'm going to salute Latrell Mitchell because one, I don't think I have yet this season, and he played like Latrell, scored a try, got a try assist, and ran for nearly 200 meters, playing like Latrell. That try assist yeah, was absolutely incredible, too, wasn't it? Yeah, when he decides he's just going to do something, yeah. he's, just, <laughs> he's, he's yeah. reached that point where he just fucking, I'm going to Doesn't run over this bloke. I'm going to score a try here. I'm going to set up a try there. It's, yeah, but but it's the thing I love about it, it, it's not like he even has to try. It's like he thinks, okay, I I might as well set up a try here. Oh, <laughs> I, I think I'll score here. Oh, I think I'll run for nearly 200 metres against these plebs. Like, I, I think the key to Latrell, if you're playing Latrell, you just don't say a word to him. You just ignore him. Let him just sort of <laughs> flop about out the back. Yeah. The minute you rub his face in the dirt or you say, yeah, hey, caught that Latrell, uh-uh, it's not going to happen. It's just, <laughs> so, uh, and this, yeah, but like he, that try assist um, for Murray was incredible. And even his last try where he just um, played human bowling ball um, was amazing too. Barney, yeah. do you have a... Yeah, I'm going to salute the two big guys in the middle, mate. Um, I've already mentioned them, Payne Haas and Luke Thompson. As I said earlier, no matter the result, no matter what state of the game it is, they just rip in week after week. They make a million metres. They don't miss many tackles and they just do all the hard work that nobody else wants to do. Absolutely. Uh, and he was one of mine, so uh, Thompson was. So I'm going to salute Canberra because a month ago I sat out here on 
my deck and said that Ricky should be fired, the club should be burnt down, <laughs> they should end all um, football down. teams in that territory. Uh, and they were outstanding. On uh, Their defence was outstanding. Quick question, though. Um, you mentioned, you slightly touched on it. Uh, do we think the uh, the 10 metres might be a little bit shorter than it was a few weeks ago, boys? Definitely in that game it was. And I, the, and, and, and and I would suggest the, others, the Cowboys yeah. game, and I would suggest potentially a couple other games. Uh, maybe that's the way without saying Link to uh, quieten down the margins by perhaps playing a little bit, especially because the, the mm, Canberra likes possibly. the... Mm. The Canberra line speed was inc- like was inhuman at times. That like in the seventieth minute mark, and it couldn't have been a full ten, at least not a yeah. ten you might have yeah. seen a few weeks back. So, but let's take everything at face value and let's say yes, Canberra were outstanding. <laughs> uh, and an honorary salute as we wrap up. Check out Footy and Frothies um, on all platforms. Check out our Facebook page, our Instagram page, both run by Oliver. Uh, our Twitter's there where I just post links and don't do much else. You can give us feedback <laughs> through all of them. And a last salute, uh, the new IWGP light heavyweight champion and friend of the show, Robbie Eagles, an outstanding effort to win the uh, light heavyweight title in the Tokyo Dome in front of a reduced crowd, but to beat uh, El Desperado. Good on him, and we hope to be having beers with him at some point in the next you know, seven years around lockdown. But apart from that, boys, uh, well done, and we're back to review, to preview the next lot. Uh very shortly.